1: Matt Jolly right here on Georgia Radio
0: well Calhoun Georgia this weekend May the 14th 730 at night you got to be there I'm telling you the Calhoun Gym Theater is where it's all going down and by going down I mean this is just going to be a show of shows you got to get out there just uh, a great town too Calhoun Georgia lots to see and do up there go out to dinner and uh, grab yourself some tickets to the Calhoun Gym Theater uh, for this weekend, May 14th. Guess who's going to be there? Marty Haggard is going to be there. I saw Marty uh, on an interview a couple of nights ago that I was just sitting there watching. And I was just, honestly, I was struck by the depth um, and just the, the 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 pure faith that this guy has Um and I wanted to have him on, and he's joining me right now. Marty, thanks for being here. I appreciate it.
1: It's absolutely my pleasure, Matt. Thank you.
0: Everybody uh, who listens to this station knows your dad, uh, Merle right. Haggard. And I, I thought this was so great. In one of these interviews that I saw of you, you said, I, I never knew Merle Haggard. I just knew my dad. Um, yeah. Would you let us behind the curtain for a few minutes and uh, just talk about what it was like to, to grow up uh, in the haggard household, what it was like for you
1: well, it depends on what period of time you want to talk about because you know dad um, had not he, he, he wasn 't always a sinner he wasn 't always a entertainer he wasn 't always known to everybody and uh, you know I was born while Dad was in San Quentin prison doing one to fifteen years as an 18 year old kid and uh, you know mama was uneducated made her living picking cotton, and we lived in a box car, and we were pretty, pretty poor people and uh, a dysfunctional family, at least, and um, then when Dad got out of San Quentin, and uh, it was, well. He, while he was in San Quentin, some old man in there doing life influenced him to get out of there and pursue a life through music and, uh, instead of breaking the law, and uh, so, you know, the, the first part of my life, at least on up until I was probably seven, eight years old, it was It was a non-celebrity existence, but it was very poor. And, uh, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of hope in in our family. And, um, but, um, you know, he's, but I can testify. I know for a fact that, uh, you know, uh, I don't know why we insist on as a society to make more out of celebrityism than there is to it. Um, You know, I've, I've come to be really good friends with a lot of people that are, worldwide world known and uh, like Johnny Cash. Johnny was my friend and I can name a million other names that are just superstars, but I got to know all those people. And I know for a fact, they're not God because every one of them have a headstone now. And, um, and you know, all I'm saying is dad before music started and dad after music started was the same person, my dad. And, um, you know, Merle Haggard is his name. And, uh, his entertainment was his job, but, uh, it, it did not define who my dad was and, uh, not, at least not to the son. And, uh, you know, uh, I, I'm like every other little boy growing up. I thought my dad hung the moon even when he was an ex convict. And, uh, and, uh, anyway, it's no different than anybody else's existence. We had some ups, we had some downs and, um, uh, I obviously have got to meet a lot of people. Most people don't get to meet, get to know a lot of them, and uh, and through that, I simply learned that there is no difference. Uh, in uh, everybody's exactly the same. Um, you know, you are born, you live, and you die. And I don't give a hoot who you are. And um, but my dad was a real normal kind of guy. He did We never had anything around our house uh, that would. If you just walked in off the street. That would um, indicate that he was a, a world famous entertainer. He he liked to fish, and you know he liked to do different things. And um, he he wasn't he never got all caught up in the celebrityism thing. I think, in fact, that the celebrity thing kind of got his way. He he loved to play music, and um and I think all that celebrity stuff just sort of happened. And um and if truth be known, it was probably the the downside to what he did. And um. But I can just simply tell you that dad was as normal as anybody else. You know, he was flawed. He was not a perfect man anymore any than you and I are. But, and, uh, but dad knew Jesus. And, uh, and because of that fact, I'll see him again. And, know, uh, everybody needs Jesus. I'll give hoot if you're John Cash, Merle Haggard, or Ronald Reagan, I don't care. You need Jesus. And, uh, we have a normal family, uh, with a lot of, uh, bumps because we're all a bunch of stinking, sinful people. <laughs>
0: Well, isn't that the truth? I mean, the church is made up of sinners and saints, isn't it? I mean, that's just the way it is. But uh, I, I want to get into this a little bit because uh, at some point you realized that singing was not a bad way to make a living. And uh, you decided to, to sort of, uh, you know, hang your shingle out there on Main Street. And just because your last name's Haggard doesn't mean it's an, an easy, you know, walk on to the to the all star team. Uh, I guess it all sort of changed. You went out on your own, what, 1979,
1: didn't you? Yes, it was. And, uh, you know, everything from the outside looking in uh, appears to be usually the opposite of what it is. And uh, what you just said, most people take it for granted. Well, Merle Haggard, your dad, that had to make it easier path for you. Well, the truth be known, uh, my dad being my dad actually made a much tougher road for me. Um, when I got into the business in 79, Dad was still rocking and rolling. He was still the top country act in the country. And, um, you know, uh, he, it wasn't like he was dead and gone. Like, you know, Hank Jr. come on the scene. His dad had already been dead for years and kind of left a nice little path for him. But, but Dad was still rocking. And, uh, and believe it or not, uh, aside from, um, you know, radio people sometimes, they actually kind of... Kind of they didn't want to play two Haggards at one time, and I don't understand their logic, but it actually, made, and you got to keep in mind also, when somebody listens to me, they're automatically going to compare me to him, and um, which is kind of silly, um, but, you know, when your dad's a Merle Haggard, you better be good, <laughs> because I've got you, like you said earlier, you got some shoes to fill there, and and if I suck, boy, I'm going to suck a whole lot more than normal, because when you listen to Next to my dad, you better be able to carry your own dad gun water because it, uh, the name alone is not. People do not buy records based on your name. They they buy records based on what they like or don't like, and so it was actually a lot more difficult road being my dad's son. But that's okay. I didn't play music guitar star either. I played music because I enjoyed it, and um, I've made a decent little living doing it. If I've had some good times, I had some bad times.
0: I love it. Well, that first song that that I'm thinking about is uh, Trains Make Me Lonesome from 1986. You were actually nominated for Best New Male Vocalist. Uh, what What did your dad say about that? Talk to me about
1: you know, that. What's kind of neat about that is uh, that was in, actually 1986-87, and uh, I was nominated as one of the top new male vocalists in country music that year. And uh, that was dad's last nomination. That was his last, last number one record that he had that year, which was, um, Twinkle Twinkle Lucky Star. And he was nominated as country single of the year. And, um, what was funny about that is, uh, <coughs> uh, we were in Los Angeles getting ready to do the uh, award show. It was, uh, um, the Academy of country music awards and, um, they were getting ready to film the TV's, uh, award show. And, uh, my dad and I were up Dick Clark owned that production of that, uh, award show, and um, Dick and my dad had been friends since 67, 66, and um, anyway, my dad and I, and Dick were standing on the stage during rehearsal that day, before the actual award show, and um, dad and I and Dick were just sitting there talking while they were doing all their stuff on the stage, running back all over the place, and Dick said, Merle, you know, it just hit me. He said, he said, "Uh, this award that Marty's nominated for, Said, do you know who won uh who won the first the very first time that award was ever offered? Do you do you know who won it? That's no, I sure don't. He said, You did. <laughs> he said it was nineteen sixty five. you won the best new vocals of the year. That year was the first time the award was offered. He said, Now your son's nominated for that award and you're still being nominated for awards. Well that that's what well, he said, that's kinda cool, isn't it? He said, You yeah, now I didn't win, but uh, which is okay. Um, I didn't. I really didn't expect to. That I don't think I deserved to. Um, actually, I thought well, Love it should have won it, but Ricky Van Shelton did. But hey, uh, I got nominated, and um, you know, Charise from a... was the reason I got nominated because the video on it was actually more popular than the single itself, and um, they played it on CMT for five solid years. That but it was, it, yeah, I was. Um, yeah, I had my little brushes with success, and. Then I had my head on wreck right after that award show and kind of knocked me back to square one. And I'm guessing that
0: when you run headlong into anything, your faith, <laughs> your faith is what gets you through it, especially uh, a man of faith like you are. Uh, talk to us about that just a little bit.
1: Well, I think faith in a really hard head. <laughs> <laughs> I, um, uh, it was a bad wreck. I had a head on wreck. Me and my band were headed to a date somewhere between Texas, and Kansas city. And, uh, some guy come around the corner hit a square on. I happened to be standing up. It was like a motor on kind of vehicle. And, uh, with my back to the windshield, when he hit us and knocked me back through the windshield, I hit my head on everything under creation. And, uh, it was a bad head injury. Uh, I lost my memory for a year. Uh, it took me four years to come completely out of the, uh, it was a closed head injury. They call it. And, uh, a brain bruise was a really bad. One. And, uh, but you know what? Uh, it was a horrible four years. Uh, uh, it took me four years before all of my faculties come back to me and was able to function relatively normal. And I mean, relatively because there's still things that I to this day cannot do like I used to. My mind don't work the same anymore. And, you know? um, anyway, it was, you know, everything. I don't, I don't feel like it was, a, um, a negative. Uh, I, you know, I was on the doorsteps of really doing some big things in my profession and um, success and all that good stuff. And, you know, I was a young guy, good grief. I was 29, 30 years old. And uh, I i mean, I knew Jesus at the time, but I wasn't focused. I, and I was just young on top of that. And I, knowing me, uh, I'm kind of thankful that the success thing never did happen because I'm not too sure that it wouldn't have killed me. And uh, I'm pretty sure that I might have been my own worst enemy. And uh, I truly believe that every time I got right on the doorsteps of success, something like that would happen some weird out of the left field thing and stop the progress. And and my, my simple opinion and that's all it can really be is that my father in heaven was protecting me from myself. And uh, Mm. so I I really believe that success was maybe the greatest gift, the best thing that never happened to me. And, um, because all I can do is look at where I am right now. And right now where I, I have probably the best human being to ever draw breath is a wife. And and we have this good boy together. And uh, my family life and home life, I I don't care who you want to pick. There ain't nobody I know and have ever met that has a better home life than I've got right now. And uh, and the question is, if anything would have been any different in the past, would I would this have been what I lost in it? Well, all I can tell you, I don't know why we end up where we are, but all I know is i got a life worth living right now. And I wouldn't trade this life with nobody on the planet. So the Father uh, succeeded in giving me what he said he wanted to give me, which is a life of peace, joy, and abundance. And uh, and it's, it's not money. It's not fame. And, and like I said, all of the above might have been the worst thing that could have happened to me. So I'm a really, really happy guy with where I am. So with that in mind, I have to thank yesterday to some degree, no matter how bad yesterday may have seemed at the time. Hmm.
0: I love that. Well, you know, you've, you've, you have had success in the eyes of others. And uh, I don't, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. And I hear what you're saying. You don't measure, uh, you're not measuring success by money or by fame. You're not worried about the hits or the spins or any of that stuff that, that all these folks are worried about today. Uh, you know, and, and that's wonderful. I, when I think of you, and I was thinking about this interview and having you on, uh, St. Francis of Assisi came to mind. And he, he always, you know, he's quoted in saying this, and it's, preach the gospel always and when necessary, use words. And, and yes. I, think, I think you totally live up to that, as well as your your grandma Haggard. Uh, and I want to play a song here. We were, we we're going to play mama tried, but, uh, she is, uh, she is, and I guess always will be sort of that fountain of, uh, of where your faith was first, uh, seen and felt.
1: Well, grandma Haggard was, uh, um, I've always referred to my grandma Haggard as Jesus in a skirt. And, um, uh, <laughs> you know, my grandma was pure as driven snow. Um, the only regret I have with my grandma Haggard is that she never got to meet Tessa, my wife, because they're both cut from the same cloth. And, um, but I don't know, you know, again, like those accidents, all the things that happen in human life, uh, they're all crossroads and, you know, like ripples in the pond. I, I can't put a finger on every single thing that grandma influenced me with, but her love for Jesus was as real as it gets. And, um, that, and, When I finally started catching up with Jesus, or I should say, when Jesus finally caught up with me, I was I was doing all the running, uh, and he became the center of my life. And that's when me and Grandma even drew closer than we already were. And um, he was our the tie that bound bound us. And you know, the last thing my Grandma Haggard said on this planet before she drew her last breath. she motioned for me to bend over the bed, and I bent down. My dad was standing there, the whole family, and I bent over, just got close enough to where she could whisper in my ear. The last thing that sweet lady said on this planet was well, she told me, she, she told me, she keep your faith in Jesus and take your daddy for me. Now, when the last thing on your mind before you draw your last breath is Jesus, I have a feeling there's a good chance you probably lived for it. And she did. Grandma Haggard showed me the way, and um, she wasn't a preacher, like you said a well, while ago about that. Uh, yeah, that about the Francis
0: of Assisi. Yeah,
1: yeah, and basically the way I always said that is, you witness to everybody you see, it, and when all, all else fails, you use words. <laughs> right, and, right. You know, right. And that's what that's what Matthew chapter ten talks about, where you mm. as you go, you know, the the Great Commission of go ye is one thing, but. Chapter 10 says, as you go, it's a 24-7 gig. Well, listen, uh, it's not hard for me to, uh, I know what Jesus wants me to be, and he wants me to love others and uh, be kind to others. Basically be like he, you know, it's through love and kindness that people are influenced, and that's the salt of the earth. And That's what my grandma was, the salt of the earth, and I want to be just like her. And uh, it's not hard for me to um, be kind to people and care about people. they're precious. They're very precious in his sight. And um, if, if they're precious to my father, they're precious to me. And um, my goal is to let everybody know that they're absolutely priceless and, uh, because they are. And I know that that's what, I, that's what the father taught me. He finally taught me how precious I am in his sight. And um, it's a good feeling, and I want to share it with as many people as I can get my hands on it. My grandma Hagrid showed me the best way to do that, and it's not by talking. It's by walking. Amen. All the best country. Georgia Radio. Everywhere you go. Go, go, go,
0: go, go. We're talking to Marty Haggard. He's playing in Calhoun, Georgia this weekend, May the 14th, 730, up there at the Calhoun Gym Theater. I'm guessing if folks show up on May the 14th, not only are they going to hear some great songs from you, they might hear... Uh, a little bit more of these stories that you've been sharing. And I think that's great. You d- you're doing a, a show that is sort of a, a cross between your music and your father's music,
1: is it not? Well, you know, not really. Uh, mostly, uh, it's been promoted as a tribute to Merle Haggard, my dad, and uh, you know, and and the reason I put it in that that use those words, Merle Haggard, my dad, <clears throat> because like you just said earlier, I have. I have stories. I was there when dad recorded everything from time. I was, I was there when he recorded mama tried. And, uh, I was there when Glenn Campbell come in and sang the harmony on the song back in 67. And, um, uh, you know, I know the reasons he wrote these songs. And I know the stories behind these songs because a lot of these songs are about my family and my life, our life. And, um, uh, but I'm his oldest son and I'm the one of all the kids that dad had. I'm the only one he took on the road with him, all those years that he was writing, and recording all that stuff from the sixties, seventies and, and the eighties. And so, you know, I love my dad and, but not as, you know, I love his music, but not near as much as I love him. And, um, you know, th- these songs bring my dad back to me for a minute. And, um, you know, I know a lot of these people that I'm singing for grew up with him and, um, you know, and these songs are memory trips for them too. And uh, so what I do is simply attribute to my dad. Now I do sprinkle in a couple of my days songs near the end of the show because as much as I love my dad, I'm more passionate even about my father in heaven. I'm not, and I, my songs that I've written about him, you know, I'm really not interested in being a singing star and all that stuff and my own music and all that. I I I, I really want to just come and help people smile and to help people get in and out of the storms of life for a minute and uh, give them a reason to have a good time. And, and people come to my shows expecting to hear my dad's music. And you know what? That's more than fine with me because I love his music, but not as much as I love him. And I'm his oldest son. I'm going to keep his name alive and his music alive as long as I'm breathing. And, um, so if they come to my show, they're going to not only hear some songs that they grew up with, but they're going to hear stories about these songs. They've never heard nowhere before. And, um, I really enjoy doing what I do because what I am able to do that brings me so much pleasure is helping people enjoy themselves. I love watching people smile and Mm -hmm. sometimes they, sometimes they cry, but there's crying tears of joy, you know, and I just, I find it a real blessing to help people. I want to see people have a good day. And um, anyway, so if they come to the show, they're going to hear a uh, you know, tribute to my dad, music, and they're going to hear stories they've never heard before. And now, at the very end of the show, I do one of my Jesus songs because I cannot go without at least pointing one
0: finger up. <laughs> Amen. You said he's the author of everything, including yeah. all these songs, even even my dad's. I, I loved that. Uh, that uh, just the way you the way you threw all that in there. I want to play one more song, and I was asking you before we started talking uh, the one you wanted to end on, and uh, you said, let's just do Mama's Hungry Eyes. What do you say?
1: I agree, and um, this is probably my favorite song my dad ever did. It was a number one record, but it's not considered to be one of those classic people. Remember, I remember it as a nine ten year old kid. I just loved it when my dad, what a songwriter. Good Lord, what a songwriter.
0: Well, Marty, I sure appreciate you uh, hanging out with us uh, the, the time that you have and i appreciate uh your your stories and your insight on on just everything if folks want to come see it, it's this saturday may the 14th at seven thirty 30 at uh, the calhoun gym theater have you played up there at all before or is this a, a first time
1: i don't remember playing the gym theater um, i do know i've played around the calhoun area quite a bit i've played around georgia a lot i love georgia and apparently georgia likes me so um Uh, I'm looking forward to it. I know that much. I'm I'm actually doing a church the very next morning down in Livingston, I think it is. And um, just four or five songs. But, yeah, all I can tell you, I I probably have been there because I've pretty much been everywhere. You've been everywhere. (laughs) My memory from that wreck's not very good. So, I don't know if I've been there before, but I'll guarantee this much I'll be there this Saturday. Unless I die.
0: (laughs) Well, there you go. Well, thanks again, Marty. We sure
1: appreciate it. You too, buddy. All the best country. Georgia Radio. Everywhere you go.